morning, if you would, turn with me in your copy of Scripture to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, Matthew, again, is one of these Gospels that, you know, of the four Gospels, he has um, kind of a, a primary purpose in mind, just like the other guys. And one of his primary purposes in Matthew is to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, he actually begins his book with these words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. That is very telling because we've already seen how the Messiah will be in the line of David. That the promise to David was that one of his sons would have a kingdom that would last for all of eternity. And that obviously cannot be just a human kingdom. Uh, For all of the kingdoms of this world have failed. All of them. And all of them will fail. Except for this kingdom. So, this morning I want to look at uh, kingship and really, you know, keeping kingdom priorities where they should be. What are our kingdom priorities? Really, you can entitle this message to Thy Kingdom Come. Let us read here in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 25. Therefore I tell you... And by the way, you just little, little context real quick. This is actually the Sermon on the Mount. I don't mean to you know, up these words as bigger than what comes in chapters 12 and on beyond, but this is Jesus' up front for Matthew. This is His first sermon, and it's a big one. It's a doozy. Like this is this is referenced and quoted more than any other of his sermons. Okay, so just uh, understand that we're actually picking up halfway through an already going sermon on the mount. Okay, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word and the power that is in Your revelation. So Lord, would you, would you do something very specific today? Would You reveal to us Yourself in these very words? 
by your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, kids are funny. Um, if you uh, keep track of all the events that take place within a week of having little kids, it's, there's bound to be something hilarious uh, in, in that goes on, you know, in a home. Um, you know, as, as Jessica and I have uh, parented these uh, four little dudes, there's some crazy stuff that we've seen happen, you know. I mean, uh, we've got... You know, people uh, doing all sorts of things that really is not necessarily even appropriate for me to mention here, sadly, because it's so crazy of an idea that you would never think of doing in a home, but they do it. And it takes children a while to become domesticated, you know. They, they, uh, they, they think they can do whatever they do outside, inside, and whatever they do inside, outside. And it just, there's all sorts of things that, that they just, uh, you know, go through and talk about and, uh, you know, just, just funny stuff. And, um, you know, in thinking about kids, we um, as adults are trying to, and as parents really, are trying to help them be a better civilized person, which is a good thing. And, you know, I can't help but think the kingdom of God works like that. You know, here we are when we get saved, when we're reborn, when we are, you know, made alive in Christ, uh, we're kind of like this little kid that really doesn't know right from wrong still. Like we're still learning something. We've had a great event. We've been born anew. God has delivered us from sin. And yet we still don't know our place exactly. It doesn't happen overnight. The Christian life does not happen overnight. It's, lo- it's more like a parent and a kid uh, and, a, and the training that happens there than most things that we talk about. And you know... Wouldn't it be nice if uh, you know Jesus was president? Wouldn't it be nice if you know Jesus was our boss? You know, we, we think of these sorts of things, uh, but the reality is that He is your boss. He is the president of the world. He is the King of the world. Uh, he is. Um, the teacher of the world. He is the parent of the world. He is the legislator. He's the one who wrote the laws. He's the judge who will judge you by those laws. He's the friend that we need. He's our brother. He's our father. He's power itself. He's love itself. He's our helper. He's the great physician. He's our all in all, as the song says. And it's true. He is our all in all. And yet, and yet we don't see it. It's hard for us to see it. Uh, just like the kid, you know, these children, they can't see everything that we adults can see sometimes. But interestingly, we can't see some things that they can see sometimes. There are some things that are lost as we get older. There's a, G.K. Chesterton has a great piece um, in his book, Orthodoxy, where he talks about the nature of little kids. And you've seen this happen at church with, with Bob, who's kind of our you know, designated... Uh, grand, grandfather for our children, you know, uh, locally adopted. And so, you know, is, is Bubble throw him up in the air or bounce him on the knee, and what do they say afterward? Do it again. And he does it again. Do it again. How many times are they going to do that? It will be endless, eternity, into eternity, right? Until they just literally pass out, they would do this. A kid plays this game where they, they'll throw something down on the floor, you pick it up, and they'll do it again, and they'll do it again. And they don't get tired of it. And Jesus got trust and says, you know, God is like a little kid. He has not got tired of seeing a sunset yet or a sunrise. That's why every morning He says, do it again. 
He's not gotten tired of the flowers or the lilies or the roses. He is still creating the rose to look like a rose. Why? Because He's not done yet. He says, do it again. Do it again. And and we are the ones, because of sin, who have grown old and tired in His world and have lost sight of what really matters. And we have to be constantly reminded as adults, constantly reminded as Christians, of what is important. First things. Those priorities of life. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, look, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added. Again, He even uses nature, doesn't He? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. If God cares about those things that, that just get stomped up or, or chopped down uh, or killed or just drop out of the sky... I mean, if He cares about the birds, and there's a lot of birds in the world. I just saw them flocking around uh, Walmart the other day. I was like, wow, that's a lot. Okay, well... If there's a lot of them and He knows them and He clothes them and He feeds them, what about us? He he didn't become a bird. He didn't become a dog. He became a human. He cares for us immensely. It's more than words could describe, which is why images and actions will have to do. Uh, And this is what the Bible gives to us, is an image of God. And, um, And God says, look, don't make anything that is an idol because nothing in this world compares to me. I'm greater than anything in this world. I'm more beautiful. Than, if you think something's beautiful in this world, I'm the one who did that. So it comes from my beauty. You know, we often think of God, again, as just stale and kind of maybe this old grandpa picture in heaven, you know, that kind of whistles when he talks, you know, come here, Sonny. And you can't really see very well what we're doing down here. That's not the picture of God at all. He's active, he's alive, he's got the heart of a kid. Do it again. Do it again. And we're the ones who need that kind of reviving. Here's the deal, is if we are supposed to seek God's kingdom first, what is His kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? Um, it's It really sounds like a great movie line. You know, the kingdom of God. That sounds like a movie we'd want to go see. Uh, or, you know... We even pray in our prayers, Thy kingdom come. This is the model prayer that Jesus laid out for His disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think within that prayer, He's actually giving us the answer to what the kingdom is. It's a marriage of heaven and earth. You see, God does not hate His world. He loves it. He's the one who created the trees. He's the one who created the body and the systems that work in the body. I'm constantly amazed, you know, my brother being a surgeon and all, it's about how the body works. It's unbelievable. How, our, how physics works. Mathematics. I mean, a lot of you guys make good money off of mathematics. That's awesome. God made that. <laughs> you know, and he's, He is more beautiful than any of those things. and All those things point to Him. And within that, He rules over it all. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. He likes His earth. He likes His creation. Which is why it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Not a completely different one, but a renewed one. He likes trees. Read Revelation and you'll see trees. You'll see water. You'll see things like animals. Why? Because God likes all those things. 
He didn't create a second-rate world the first time. And then now he's going to do something else at the end later. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm really just kind of keeping in my pocket the real stuff here, guys. Now we can enjoy the real stuff. That's not what he's doing. This is the real deal. We're just blind. And what he wants to do is bring heaven and earth together. This is what he's done in Jesus Christ, isn't it? I mean, this is what the incarnation that we're about to celebrate in the season of Advent is all about. God, who is heavenly becoming very earthly inside of Mary, gestated in Mary, birthed from Mary, lived as a boy, grew up a man, and died like all of us will eventually die, except in a more terrible way. And so He brought heaven to earth. And this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about living as if God was ruling right now. Because here's the deal, is we're kind of the only ones who know about that. <laughs> C.S. Lewis has, a, um, in his book, Mere Christianity, has this one chapter that is probably the one I quote the most, and forgive me because I do, but he talks about how the king, when he comes the first time, Jesus, when he comes the first time, is like a king in disguise. He comes under the radar. You know, when he walks in the room, as we talked about last week, the angels don't sing and some halo presents itself. That's not... He walked in the room, he looked like any of us. Really. We, we don't think that, but that's exactly what he looked like. A real human. He did not have a glow about him. Oh, there he is. You know, that wasn't how he was recognized. No. And so, he has this line where he says, He came in disguise the first time, clothed in the flesh. He started a rebellion a revolt in enemy territory. Enemy-occupied territory is what he calls it. And, he, and this, this, you know, this kind of hits with me because like, I read all these SEAL books, you know, Navy SEAL books you know, and stuff, and, and this is part of special operations is actually going behind enemy lines and setting up a base or a, a location where others you can actually bring in the whole cavalry once they get operational. That's what he's done. And, and C.S. Lewis says this great line, he says, that's why we go to church every week, is to, is to actually hear the secret uh, you know, wiretaps, if you will, of what we need to be doing this week. We're the only ones who know that the real king is ruling. That this is actually not truly being ruled by the enemy. It's, go to the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, the witch really is not the ruler of Narnia, even though she's delaying Christmas, Right? It's always winter and never Christmas. You remember this from the Chronicles? Well, yeah, she's not the real ruler. Who is? God. He's the king, Aslan. When he comes, it immediately turns to Christmas. It immediately goes to spring. Why? Because sin is cold and dark and lonely. And that's not what God's plan for us is. It's not His plan for His world. His gospel, His good news is alive. It's warm welcoming. That's what we as Christians are to be. We are to be spreading the rumor that the real king will return. The return of the king, you could say. Uh, which he will return again in great glory. The first time he comes in disguise, the second time he comes in great power. And it'll be all over. He'll bring the whole show down at this point. You say, well, why did he do that? Why does he not just rule over everything immediately? It's because of his grace. Had He done that, we would immediately go to hell. 
It's only by His grace that He allows the opportunity to turn to the true King, to actually believe the truth rather than the lie. And so, the first affirmation we must make as Christians is God is King. Now, we've seen this you know, whole thing of kingship being set up in the Old Testament. You know, this is what we've been kind of going through the past few Sundays, is that God is establishing within the nation of Israel kingship. But here's the funny thing. Even though David is king or Solomon or whoever, God is the true king. And those kings are measured whether or not they actually comply with the true king. And so too will our lives be. We may sometimes feel like we have control of our life. We can move here. We can go there. We can tweak the air. We can you know, fly on a plane to wherever we want, eat what we want, do what we want. But the reality is there's a king coming back and it's all his stuff. It's just what Jack prayed a moment ago. It's all His stuff. So if you're messing with His stuff and He comes back and you're not doing what He wants, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And the parables will constantly remind us of the parable of the talents. Uh, The guy who gets forgiven but then goes wrings the neck of the guy who owes him. And the, uh, the king says, that's not the way this works. No... Jesus is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's in charge. And this is what He wanted. You don't have to like it. It's kind of like what I tell my kids. You don't have to like it, but you've got to do what I say. You can complain if you want to, but we're going to do this. There is no option. Like I told you, the best picture of kingship that we have is really remembering back to our childhood, maybe if we had a, a strict parent. you know, uh, And it's like, boy... I feel like I'm under a dictatorship. Okay, well, you don't have to like necessarily how God has set up His world, but this is the best of all worlds. He didn't make cheap stuff. You don't have to like it, but what He's done, you say, well, that's kind of mean, you know, that He would be up there, you know, and just create this mean world, this dark world. Look, first of all, we're the ones who messed it up. We're the ones who have participated in its demise. We're the ones who have shut out people's light, snuffed it out by our words, killed it by our actions. What He has done is He's actually on His own initiative. No one made Him. He came into our world and said, look, if you're going to live here in this kind of world, in this suffering place, then I'm going to taste my own medicine. I will drink the cup of suffering with you. God, who cannot suffer, suffered. God, who cannot die, died. That's unbelievable. (laughs) That is the good news of Christianity. There is no other religion in the world that offers that. That God would pursue us. That God would be concerned with humans. We are, in all the other instances, the scum of the earth. And really, in reality, we are. And yet He still comes after us. My... uh, my professor had a great um, story that he would always tell. He said, he said, there was once a king who was looking for a bride. And, you know, they, all, they presented all the young virgins and all the, you know, beautiful people to him. And he rejected them all. One day he was riding through town and he sees uh, a homeless girl that is in rags and just dirty, hadn't had a bath in several days. He said, that's the one, God, stop the, stop the chariot. That's the one. They're, they're thinking, you're crazy, man. You, you are nuts. 
And he said, no, that's, she's it. And um, so they, they get her and they say, okay, well, <laughs> we got to go clean her up. You know, we got we to gotta get her manicured and whatever else, you know, uh, put some perfume on, get this hair washed, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, he's getting ready. And um, finally, you know, the time com- hours pass, the time comes for them to present her. And she's still in her room in her rags and dirty. And they say, Why, what, what's going on? Why are you not ready? She says, well, He chose me like this so He can keep me like this. That's what we do to God, isn't it? We don't want His cleansing. Oh, if He chose me, then okay. He can have me just like I am. Is that the attitude? Is that the kingdom? It's absolutely not. He's offering cleansing to us. He's offering freedom from our chains. Freedom from what binds us. Do, you, do we really believe that or are we just sitting there refusing it? I don't know. So, we must seek His kingdom. His kingdom is one of righteousness. Living rightly. How do you know you're part of His kingdom? By doing what's right. There's, there is a test and it's, it's what you do. You know, it's, it's what you do. Um... He is the true king. He's the high king of heaven. He's the rightful king. And this is His world. This is His life that He's given to us. And He has stewarded us with it. And so we become stewards of His. Now, what is more important than the kingdom? In this, I mean, He says, seek first the kingdom. Everything else is going to be added. There's nothing more important than the kingdom. Nothing is more important than God's kingdom. Again, what is the kingdom of God? It's God's will in heaven being done on earth. So what does that mean? It means God coming into you. That's His, that's His will. It's to be one with you. To commune with you. To relate with you. It's about a relationship. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just religious acts. It's not just believing an idea. If you just believe in the idea of Jesus, then you've not believed in Jesus. Amen. It is Jesus that saves us the person of Jesus. And we must respond to Him with our very life. If you're sitting here saying, oh yeah, I believe in God, but in your life you don't do the things of God, there's a disconnect. There's not a marriage. There's a divorce. Amen. This is why it must be very telling our actions. This is why James, the brother of Jesus, will say, look, if you say you have faith in God, way to go. Even the demons do that. Are they any better than than sinners? No. No, it's those who do it. Just do it. It's what we talked about last week with being a a saint, a holy person. You just got to start doing it. Stop thinking about it. Stop contemplating it. Just do it. Jump in. That is what faith does. It dives in to the relationship. You pull the trigger. Uh, it's, It's no more, should I marry her or should I not? No, pull the trigger. Do it. Just do it. Yeah, oh, I don't have everything ready. You'll never have everything ready. I'm just kind of, kind of waiting around you know, for the right time to have kids or the right time. There is, when is the right time? There is no right time. Just do it. Just do it. Jump in. You'll figure it out. And it's a relationship. It's supposed to be a journey. It's supposed to be something that we enjoy. There's supposed to be joy as the product. Not, oh yeah, I guess we got to go to church. 
Now we've all been there. We've all gone through the motions. We're, we're like kids. You know, we got to go to church. Oh man, that's going to mess up my playtime. <laughs> Keep first things first and then you'll enjoy your playtime. It's, it's a tri- I promise you, it's, it's unbelievable. The kingdom doesn't work like the kingdoms of this world. The power plays that work in this world don't work in God's kingdom. If you want to be greatest, be least of all. Be a servant. That's where true joy is found. We've said it more over and over again in this church. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing to somebody else. You want to be happy? Make somebody else happy. You want to be forgiven? Then forgive somebody. That's the way this whole kingdom works. It's not a kingdom of this world. It's not keeping list of who's hurt you and this and that. It's not doing that. That's not God's kingdom. And here's how I know that is because God's kingdom is His kingdom and He is God and God doesn't work like that, thankfully. He has the ability to forget what we've done. And that's insane. I don't even know what to do with that. If He's God and knows everything and yet He chooses to forget our past. He doesn't hold it against us. That is crazy. We almost have to hold it against people. Oh, I know they hurt me back. He doesn't do that. It's, I mean, it, it makes me want to crawl under this lectern to think of the times that God has forgiven me. How many times I've had to go to Him and say, wow, really messed up. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, I've really messed things up here. I've sinned against you. I've spit in your face. I've turned my back on you. And you know what He does? He doesn't say, yeah, it really hurt me, you know. I don't know. It'll take me a little while to get over it. He just opens his arms and says, Welcome back. Let's do it. Let's pick up where we left off. The most important thing about the Christian life is never giving up. Always being faithful. That term faith is not just a one-time act. It's today. You've got to be faithful today. Marriage is not a one-time act. Just because you stand up in front of people and say some vows... That doesn't mean you have a marriage. A marriage is cultivated every single day. You have to continually choose that person over everybody else. And the day that you don't choose them is the day that you're going to start removing yourself from them. Same thing with God. Doesn't He say we're in a marriage with Him? That's why why Christians are so serious about marriage. It's God's image. It's not our institution. We didn't make it up. God did. And so again, this is one of these moments where He wants to bring heaven to earth. That's what He's trying to do. And the day of the Lord that we've already read about from Amos is going to be a day of reconciliation. A day of judgment. A day where He settles accounts. Ties up the loose ends. And we're going to be held accountable. All of us are. But we don't have to worry. (laughs) You remember the reading today? We can encourage each other about the end times. If other people are scaring people with the end times, Paul says, look, don't do that. It's an encouragement. There's a day coming when when people who have treated you wrongly, they'll be dealt with. You've seen injustice in your life? That'll be dealt with. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's not like God just kind of puts a blanket over and says, let's just forget about that. No, He remembers Those who disobey, those who hurt people, they will be judged. We've got to make sure that we're not the ones hurting. We've got to make sure we're not the ones committing these violations. Amen. Because there is one who is coming to judge. 
Now, the good news again is he can be our brother. Now, if my brother's judging me, I mean, I can tell my brother anything. And you know what? He's still going to be my brother. He's going to still love me. My dad, I can tell him anything. I mean, I could, I could have do something insane crazy. And he would still love me. He would still help me. He'd be there for me. It's great to have somebody like that in your life. You do. It's Jesus. He's Jesus. He is more than ready to help. He's more ready to help than we want Him to help. We're kind of like the kid who has a toothache and wants it to be fixed, just wants some medicine. Just give me some medicine. Just want the medicine. No, we're going to take the tooth. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. God wants to fix the problem. We want to hold on to the problem. We just want a quick and easy fix. That's not the kingdom of God. When you enter the kingdom of God, you start living the way we're going to live in heaven now. That's what this is about. It's the kingdom of God come to earth. Come inside of us. This is why John the Baptist, his message, repent for the kingdom of God is now. Jesus, repent for the kingdom of God is near. It's near to us, in us. These are all the ways that the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. It's a mystery at the end of the day. You notice how many things in Christianity is like, it's like just spit it out, man. I can't. There's something greater than us that we're trying to be a part of. Again, it goes back to relationships. When you're in a relationship with somebody, if I, if I were to ask you, who is your wife? You're like, um, well, uh, uh, she's this, she's that, she's that. Well, just give me a straight answer. She's more than I can say. That's right. She is. He is. Mystery. That's how life works. Little things that are easily explained get boring to us very quickly. People never get boring. God never gets boring. That's the beautiful thing about, you know, I tell people this is the beautiful thing about my profession is I can never be done with it. <laughs> my work will never be done. No matter how much study I put in it, no matter how much I learn in my life, when I'm 80, I, you know, I know some pastors that are in their 90s and they will tell you they're still seeking to know God. That's a beautiful thing. That's, I think, again, this is kind of off record. If I could pause, just, just say that I think when we get to heaven, we still won't understand everything. People talk about, oh yeah, we'll have all the answers once we get to heaven. I don't know. I don't think so. I think God is so big, even when we get to heaven, we're still His creatures. He will still be an awesome mystery to us. We'll love Him. We'll know Him clearer, yes, than here. Because now we're looking through a dark mirror. You know, as it's a dark window. But now we'll see Him face to face. But even Moses, when he saw Him face to face, wasn't able to describe it. Do you remember what Moses... Remember, remember that funny story in the Bible? It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. God, Moses says, you know what, God? I want to see you. I hear your voice. I want to see you. I says, okay. Yeah, I, I guess that's possible. You can't see my face, though. You'll die. So what I'll do is just kind of show you my buffed up back, you know, like I'll show you my trapezius muscle or something. I don't know what it was, but he just said, I'll show you my back, right? And so, so uh, he puts Moses in, the, in the, this little crevice of a rock. That way he can't see, but just one little part of him as he passes by, he says, okay, I'm going to pass by Moses. So he passes by Moses. You know what Moses' response was? It wasn't, man, you made Arnold Schwarzenegger look like a wimp. You know, that, that wasn't his response. 
Instead, he said, The Lord, the Lord, holy, faithful, your steadfast love endures forever. It wasn't a physical description at all. It was, He's faithful. He's covenantally loving. In other words, He's bound Himself to us. Moses could not ever get away from that idea of God. It is the core idea of who God is. You want to know who God is? He's a covenant, relational-making God. And He's bound Himself to us. You're not going to get away from Him. His kingdom extends to all parts of the world. There's no way to get away from Him, so you might as well reconcile with Him. He's like that parent that you can go hide under your bed. you got to come out. You know what I mean? It ain't going to last forever. You can pout, but it will come to an end. It must come to an end. It needs to come to an end. Come to Jesus. He is open arms, ready to receive you. Ready, ready to forgive. He's eager to forgive. You say, I don't know. You don't know what... It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm telling you it does not. He will forgive you. There's no place you could have possibly run to hide from Him. There's nothing you can do to hurt Him. That's what's crazy. You cannot hurt God. You can hurt me. You can hurt other people. You can't hurt God. (laughs) And He's more than willing to receive us as His sons and then crown us. He doesn't just say, yeah, now you're forgiven. You 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 can kind of stay in the corner of my kingdom. Just... You know, I don't want to deal with you all the time. No, no, no. He brings us right in. Kills the fatted calf. Let's do a celebrate. Put the ribeyes on the st- on the grill. He's ready to have a party. This is the scene in the Bible. This is in the prodigal son comes home. Boom! Let's have a celebration. Don't be like the older son. Amen. <laughs> Why would he accept people like that? No, it's not the response that we as Christians give to our Father. His love is beyond us and yet it's meant to fit in us. (laughs) It's bigger than us and yet He wants to pour it in us. Overflowing is the way the Psalms will picture this. He's just continually pouring out His grace on top of us. We need to get under that and open up our life to all of it. How do you do that? Pray. How do you do that? Read the Bible. Study the Bible. How do you do that? Come to church and worship Jesus. How do you do that? Go to small group and interact with His followers. How do you do that? Love your wife. Love your husband. Raise your children in the nurture of Christ. Forgive people. Be merciful. Be compassionate. Get involved with ministry that gets you dirty, that gets you out of your comfort zone. Interact with people that you normally wouldn't. Be intentional. These are all ways where you can actually receive His grace. His grace is being poured out. The question is, are you refusing it? Are you under some garbage dump of sin? Get out. Doors wide open. All you got to do is just look to Him. That's it. It takes time to come under His rule just like it takes kids time to acclimate into society. But it can be done. It must be done. His kingdom is the only kingdom that will last forever. Either you will refuse His kingship or you embrace Him. And I pray that... uh, I pray that you would see it not just as submission, but as love. 
It's not just trying to escape, but it's trying to embrace. Jesus prays, Thy kingdom come. He wants to marry heaven and earth together. His will done in heaven as on earth. You want to be a part of that? That's what we're trying to do at Harvest Point. We want your help. We need your help. You're part of the body. You're part of the building blocks. And He's the one lifting up this building. He is the one who's the true pastor. We're just under-shepherds of the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And He's laid down His life for His friends. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. As a church, as a people, as friends, as brothers and sisters, it's a beautiful thing that He has created these things for us. He's instituted His kingdom on earth. It's not all here yet, but we help it get here. We help in this marriage. He's given us a job to do. It's unbelievable. Like giving little kids a big job. Scary. As yet, that's, that's His plan. Will you join Him in that plan? Will you make kingdom priority first in your life? If you do, Jesus says this, I'll add everything else in that you need. I believe that. I've seen that happen in people's lives over and over again. If we'll make Him a priority, <coughs> life begins to make sense. You say, I don't know, i got all these problems. Then look at Him. Not that the problems will go away, but things will make sense. He can speak to us today. He can change our heart. He can deliver us if we'll let Him do that. And we'll be kings and queens that will rule. It's unbelievable. There's this one thing, I hate to bring it up again, but Chronicles of Narnia, you remember? When Peter and all of the kids, they get crowned by Aslan. It's just, that, that, that scene always just grabs at my heart. Like, these are little kids, and yet they're being given kingship over Narnia. And it's like, that's what, when you read the Bible, that's what God is doing. He's putting us in charge. He wants to put a crown on us. That's the beauty of the Gospel. That's the beauty that He wants to have in us. He can do that. He can do it today. And that is good news. Amen.